0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Today's message is very simple. It's going to be incredibly confrontational. Surprising, right? It's going to be incredible. Incredibly confrontational. Uh, This message will make or break your relationship with me personally as your pastor. It's okay. People have come and gone from relevant church. My wife still loves me. My kids still hug me when I come home. It might make or break your relationship with our church because this is who we are and this is what we stand for. And this is the type of community that we want to build might make y'all think twice. This is not a church. This is not a sermon that builds churches. This is a sermon that splits churches and I'm okay with that because I'm on the winning side. How many people in the seats don't dictate my success? My name being written in the book of the lamb is, is what I'm concerned about. This is not a type of message that, uh, lights up trees if you didn't know why we have a christmas tree there's part of our christmas miracle offering that we've been that's been going for two years it's what happens when you're a christian and you're a believer sometimes you have to wait on the lord at times he brings you to places where god are you still with me he says yeah just keep waiting but work while you wait For some of you, this message will make or break your faith. It will make or break your faith. This is a clear in and out message. Are you in or are you out? Now, if you're new to faith, if you're new to Christianity, this is a perfect message for you to listen to early in your faith that some of us have been Christians for a very long time and have never heard a message like this. Maybe we've heard it, but we've never really heard it this way. If you're not a believer, you're going to literally think we've lost our minds. And so you guys are crazy. That's why I'm not a Christian. Or on the flip side, you might say, you know what? That's a Christianity I can attach to. Some of this fake stuff that I see. You know, that's why people say, I love Christianity. I just don't like Christians. Today, you might be like, if these are the type of Christians that are around, I want in. I want to be a part of that mission. I want to be a part of that vision. This message is going to cause you to draw the line. In fact, I've made it very, very practical and very helpful. So I've got a house crew who's ready to hand out some chalk. Do we have them? Come on, house crew. I want every single person in this room to receive. I made sure that we had more than enough. I'm gonna ask you to make a decision. And once you're done with those baskets, I want you to come and put them and lay them right in in front of the stage. I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna ask you to make a decision and draw a line. In 2018, some of you guys have heard me say this a lot. But times like this is the times where that statement is challenged personally inside of me. 2018 was some drama going on with some people in our church. They wanted internet in the basement. God told me, don't put the internet in the basement. You're moving out of this building. I wrestled with the Lord. People said, we want internet in the basement. did you remember that, right? I mean, people started talking. What are they doing with the money if they won't even put internet in the basement? Oh my gosh, P- PT, you would've hated being the executive pastor then. You would've cussed everybody out and moved back to Kentucky. And i like, forget y'all. When we come into church, we need access to Wi-Fi. I remember the Lord asked me something. I'm hard ahead. He asked me flat out. He said, did I call you to pastor people or pacify them? He says, you're moving. Don't waste the money. Because to put the Wi-Fi in that particular location was going to be a crazy feat that costs a lot of money to do so. And I would love to say they didn't get their internet, and I was obedient, but no. Right, P. Lou? we put we, we we put the Wi-Fi in the basement, and God, see, this is the God, this is the God that we read about in the Bible, but we don't really experience until we experience it. Then we're like, oh crap, this is a real God for real. We put internet on in the basement on Wednesday. I flew to California on Thursday. They had service on Sunday. And on Monday morning, Pastor Lewis called me and said, There's mold everywhere. There was mold on the seats. There was mold on the floor. There was mold on the walls. There was mold on the tables. There was mold on the third floor because that's where our kids' ministry was. There was mold in my office, mold everywhere in our location. God said, are you going to obey me or are you going to pacify me? I am God. We don't don't like that Old Testament God who says, listen, don't play with me. Because we're so used to a God that just lets us do whatever the heck we want. And it was so interesting that there's this part of scripture that scares me half to death because I pray that is never me. The Israelites were going to the temple and they were worshiping all the time and they were going through this motions of faith. They were doing going through this rote religiosity and God's presence began to ascend over the temple and he began to remove his glory from the house and they kept on coming to church and they kept on coming to sacrifice and they kept on going through the motions and doing church God's presence began to hover over the temple they didn't even know that God's presence was even in the wasn't in the midst anymore because it was all just about religiosity it's just about come and sing those songs and check it off the box and then God's glory totally left And they still showed up and had no clue that God wasn't even there. He's the same God of yesterday. He is the same God today. And he's going to be the same God tomorrow. Here's the unfortunate thing about this message. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach my heart out. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to lay it all on the line. (laughs) Here's the unfortunate thing. Most of y'all won't even... Move the dial, not one notch. Most of you guys are going to listen to this message. Some of y'all are going to get mad. Some of you guys are going to say, oh, man, oh, I I should have brought my notes, my my sermon prep notes. Remember, Jess, what is my audience currently thinking? I just wanted to read that to them. I be getting into y'all heads. Y'all didn't know that? Or y'all be like, oh, my gosh, you felt like you were speaking to me. Yeah, because there's Holy Spirit revelation. I literally say, what is my audience currently thinking? And God just begins to download. And y'all like, man, how did you know? I didn't. I just wrote it on a piece of paper because he gave it to me. See, pastors don't talk about that part. Most of y'all will not shift a notch. By the time you get home, you will have forgotten everything that I've said. And you're just gonna go back to life as usual. And some of y'all gonna show up to church the very next week and say, oh, "I can't wait to hear this guy. He's so challenging." Conviction is condemnation without repentance. I will. And I pray that you will roll it in your paper and you smoke it and you let it saturate your being. Conviction is condemnation without repentance. If you don't get what I'm saying find somebody find Mike Mangus he'll explain that to you you know find Mike Luke kill he'll, he'll he'll they'll break it down for you not that they're under condemnation just because they're wise and they know the word of God most of you guys are going to go back to life and faith as usual here's my hope here's my hope that one person One person will be radically wrecked, radically, totally broken and undone. And your life and your faith will never be the same. In our last installment of Hunger Games, have you guys enjoyed the series? That was the weakest clap ever. That's okay. I know yeah. I hurt. I hurt feelings in this one. No, we in the fall. We're going to do a different series. It's going to be a little bit more encouraging. And our final installment of Hunger Games, if you got something you can take notes with, if you want to write this in your phone, this one simple question. Does everybody have their chalk? I'm not have their chalk, okay. There's one simple question you've got to ask. This is the last question in the last installment of Hunger Games. Am I fighting for mission or am I fighting for me? Oh, I knew, I knew he was going to say something like that. Oh, he's going to ask us to serve. He's going to ask us to give. No, I'm not going to ask you to do any of those things. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask you to make a decision. Am I choosing mission or am I choosing me? <clears throat> Let's pray. Gracious God. May your word go forth and not return void. May it accomplish all that you have set for it to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter nine. Jesus has been on mission for a while now. He's got an entourage of people following him. There's people that want to be close to Jesus. Why? Because by now, Jesus has healed people miraculously. He's cast out demons. People have been manifesting in front of him, and Jesus is able to speak to a demon and have it get out. He's brought people back to life. People have been dead and then they've been alive. They've been physically dead and he's brought them back to life. He's fed 5,000 people with a long John Silver meal. What type of man is this? He's calmed the storm. He's spoken to the water and and the seas and and the raging storm and said, shut up. People have seen the benefit of aligning with Jesus at this point. Aligning with Jesus is probably the best decision I can make in my life right now. Jesus is raising people from the dead. Maybe he can raise my bank account from the dead. I love somebody. Well, sign me up. Jesus has healed the sick. Maybe Jesus can heal this anxiety that's inside of me. I see the benefits of aligning with Jesus, Najwa. Jesus has fed 5,000 people. You mean if I follow Jesus, I'm never going to go hungry again? Sign me up. People have seen the benefits of being aligned with Jesus, but here's the reality they have no desire in committing their life to Jesus. No desire. Have no desire to commit to Jesus. She's a good catcher. She caught me. So now you got people following Jesus all over the place. Man, I want to get close to this guy. Who is this guy? I want what he's got, man. What does he provide? When I mean, the people who follow him seem like they get a lot out of this guy, man. Maybe we should roll up next to him. Maybe, maybe we should we should go up to him and say, hey, hey, I'll follow you too. They they've heard the jargon. They've heard him call people, hey, follow me. Like, oh, that's what he really says. So let me let, let me go up to him and say, hey, hey, Jesus, hey, I'll follow you. Like it's some magic potion that's going to get him to be like, oh my God, me? You will follow me? Really? Allison? Verse 57, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, if you want to follow along. As they were going along on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. You just see people are excited. They're seeing Jesus. He's walking by. He's got his entourage. He's got his disciples. You know, his disciples, I told you, the disciples weren't broke. These guys were like like business owners and and, and, and like industry professionals. So they, you know, they got a little swag about them. They were Jesus. They like, hey, okay. Oh man, I want to be part of the cool crowd. I follow you wherever you go, Jesus. I want some of those benefits that everybody else gets. I will follow you wherever you go. I want to be aligned with you. In the book of Matthew chapter 8, the story is recounted and the guy says, teacher, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you'll go. Now, here's the thing about the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew shows us that most people who referred to Jesus as Messiah, people who uh, refer to Jesus as Lord were true disciples. But anyone who called Jesus teacher wasn't really a true committed disciple of Jesus. Hey, you're a really wise guy. I want to learn from you a bit. I'm not wise. I'm God. I created wisdom. Wisdom is nothing without me. Teacher, I will follow you. I want to be aligned with you. I want to be one of your disciples. Hey, I want in on all of this excitement. When you gather, it seems like people get excited. You, you, Jesus, I heard you turn uh, water into wine like the good kind. glass I'm just just a humble guy from Galilee I just I ain't never had that good one is it I get a whole bottle Jesus it's interesting how emotionalism leads to vain declarations We show up to church and worship is amazing and, and the emotions get so caught up. Jesus, I just, I just want to follow you. And then after church, like, where are we eating for lunch? Vain declarations. We go to conferences and, and we hear eloquent speakers and we hear people give a crazy, incredible presentation of the gospel. And say, I want that until it comes against the inappropriate relationship that I'm having with someone. I told you, I'm not pulling punches today. We fight. In the name of Jesus, these are holy hands. Jesus refers himself, the son of man. In verse 58, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man Has nowhere to lay his head. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The son of man, who's the son of man? If you're new to Christianity, you're like, son of man, what does that mean? Son of man, this is how Jesus referred to himself a lot. More than any other terminology he used to refer to himself, he called himself the son of man. Because it points to a divine prophecy about a figure in Daniel chapter 7. Remember, the Bible is not just these isolated books that are like disconnected from each other. It is literally one theme from Genesis to Revelation. It talks about one person, one mission, one king, one kingdom. So from Genesis, Daniel and everybody in between is pointing towards the son of man, Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who's going to come back in Revelation and restore what was lost. The whole Bible. So when he says the Son of Man, he's like, oh yeah, yeah. Remember how you guys read the Bible, you old religious folk. I Me, mean, y'all, Sunday school kids. Well, back then it was Sabbath school. The Son of Man has pre three primary senses of why he uses us. Number one, when we read the son of man, it focuses on Jesus' humanity. So we are now connected and interconnected to this, this Messiah, this king of kings, this God of glory, this creator. He becomes tangible to us. He's the son of man. He's just like you and I. We can connect to his humanity. Isn't that amazing that God would say, no, 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 I'm going to call myself the son of man. I'm going to tell myself, I am with you. I am for you. I identify with you. The second sense that this brings about is it stresses the power and authority that Jesus has on earth. He is the son of man. He's here to make decisions on the behalf of man. He's here who was sent for a purpose. I've got, I've got authority. I've been made authoritative. It says Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers, meaning it's symbolizing not that all of a sudden, like Jesus is birth number one. No, no, no. It's saying Jesus is preeminent. He is above every other brother of the earth, you and I. He is preeminent over us. There's nobody else over him. He's got authority over humanity on earth. That's the second sense. The third sense highlights the future of the coming exalted king. In Daniel 7, the one who comes like the son of man. Jesus is connected to you and I but he's got authority over you and I and he serves a kingdom that's greater than you and I's. He says, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus had a traveling ministry. Jesus was an itinerant preacher, meaning he went to place after place after place. He didn't really have a place to, to, to really just call home. There was no really like uh, home home base. He didn't have this property. He didn't have this house that, that he had. Jesus's mission every single day was to go out and preach the kingdom of heaven. There was no white picket fence dog in a house with a flag on it in Jesus's ministry. Remember when he asked his Followers to follow him, he says, follow me. Let it all go. Leave it all behind. Come follow me. Remember when he talked to the rich young ruler, this kid for some of you guys who may not be familiar with this story, this guy comes up to Jesus because he's arrogant, because he's religious, because you know what I'm saying? Like he shows up to church, but he don't really raise his hands to sing because I'm not really like that. But honestly, just I'm uncomfortable. But I do want to follow you. I like the benefits of following you. Hey, Jesus, how do I inherit the kingdom of heaven? How do I, how do I go to heaven? Like, how do I make it sure? But in his mind, he's already going. He's already cool. Jesus like, oh, man, you know, you know the commandments, honor your father and mother, you know what I mean? Just, uh, you know, put God above everything else. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, I got that. Check, 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 bro. I know. I listen to the sermons. I download the podcasts. I listen to the worship music. I got it. I got this in the back. Jesus says, sell everything and give it to the poor and follow me. The Bible tells us that the man went away sorrowfully. A.K.A. he didn't want to give up the world. He would rather lose his soul. Following Jesus meant being willing to give up comfort. Following Jesus meant willing to give up your goals. Following Jesus meant your life might become unpredictable. You won't be able to call at every single moment. Pastor Robert preached yesterday from Relevant Grand Rapids, our 414 event. He says, listen, uh, we believe in an amazing God. We have a loving God. We have a generous God, but we don't have a safe God. Following Jesus doesn't guarantee safety, but it does guarantee eternal security. Following Jesus ain't safe. Following Jesus might make you uncomfortable. Following Jesus might make you have to look, leave some of the things that you've always loved. Uh, If you're a 50-year-old in here, what if God said, hey, listen, I know you've been working towards something. You've had an incredible career. But following me means I need you to leave everything and go overseas and do missions for the rest of your life, not for a short-term mission. I want you to give it all up. There's no safety in following Jesus. Jesus doesn't call us to safety. If you want to be safe, go join a country club. And here's the problem most churches are safe, it's a safe Christianity. Come here and I'm not going to push your buttons and I'm not going to uh, pull and prod and, and tell you, hey, listen, the lifestyle that you're living is wrong. I'm just going to say Jesus loves you and he forgives everything because he knows your heart. Yeah, he knows that your heart is deceitfully wicked. Oh, y'all don't want that preaching. Not preaching, don't grow churches. I'm sorry, I paid to you. I'm mean, our executive pastor. We're trying to hit metrics and goals. This one might actually blow it all up. Birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes, but the son of man ain't got nowhere to lay his head. Are you willing to walk into uncharted territory? Are you willing to pioneer in places that nobody has ever been? Are you willing to get unsafe for Jesus? Are you willing to leave your comfort, your nest egg, your white picket fence? Are you willing to leave your job, your career? Are you willing to leave that comfort of relationship? Are you willing to get uncomfortable for Jesus? I can tell you right now, most of us in this room, the answer is no. I know. Because I've pastored this church for seven years and I've seen people come and go. I've seen the best of them. I'll follow Jesus, but oh, we gonna get to the butt because a lot of us got big butts. Respectfully. (laughs) Verse 59. Verse 59, come on, let's go. Verse 59. To another man, he said, follow me. That's so interesting. The one guy comes to him and says, I'll follow you. And he's like birds of the air have, Nests and foxes of holes, son of man ain't got no place to lay his head, but you follow me. Just knew you ain't about nothing. I got to watch myself. I'm starting to go back. I almost cussed right there. I was like, you ain't. I know not to trust you. But you, I'm going to need you to follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Lord, let me first go bury my father. Lord, let me first go bury my father. Lord, 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 listen, I'll follow you, but let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, verse 60, leave the dead to bury their dead. I love this text. Angie's probably in the lobby knowing, right? Angie's probably excited right now because she knows I love this text. This is one of Angie's favorite texts too, I believe. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Let me tell y'all something. In 2023, most of us in this room would be irritated to the bone by Jesus. We would be so frustrated with the way Jesus speaks to us. There's people in here who've lost close people in their life brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers. Imagine the day you showed up to church and the funeral was next week and we were doing a mission trip and it left tomorrow. And you said, Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. And then you heard a voice from the Lord says, leave tomorrow on that mission trip. How many of y'all would be like, I'm, I'll choose the mission trip. And then what if you were like, Jesus, I'll go, I'll go on the next one? Because I heard that we're we're going in October, we're going in November. So I'll go to that one. He says, Let the dead bury their dead. You follow me and go build the kingdom. We don't like talking about this Jesus, friends. This ain't the safe and sanitized spirituality Jesus that we like. This ain't the westernized caricature of a fake Jesus that we've created with blue eyes and blonde hair. This is Jesus the thug. Let me go bury my father, your family. Some of y'all know exactly what I was saying in the middle of that. Now, 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 okay, so we got the parents here, we got, you know, we got people here, we got our religious folk in this room right now who are saying, are you saying Jesus is saying to dishonor our family? Jesus is not saying dishonor your family. That is not what Jesus is saying. Why? Because then he would be going against what his father said in the Ten Commandments where he says, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long. In fact, It comes back in Matthew chapter 15, verse four. Jesus reiterates it. He says, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of their father or mother must be put to death. Oh, dang, that sounds a whole lot like the Old Testament God. Yes, it's the same Jesus. How about that, teenagers? Talk bad about your mama and your daddy. You need to die. Oh, that would change the way y'all speak about your parents. remember when I was young, I was in my friend's house. his mom told him he can't do something He said, "I hate you, mom Imagine if God was just like dead." I'm gonna tell you the truth, because that almost happened to me. I heard that and went to my house with my African parents and tried the same bull crap. I've told y'all this story before. I remember where it was. It was apartment 13. It was a nice three-bedroom lower-floor apartment. My mom told me I couldn't go outside. My dad had just walked in the door and I said, I hate you, mom. I woke up the next day like, am I dead? Is this heaven? This apartment looks awfully familiar. Jesus doesn't play about disrespect. He says, don't even disrespect your parents. So what is he saying? What is he saying? This man had a valid reason. My father has died. I need to go bury my father. That is one of the most honoring thing that we can do. He's like, man, listen, Jesus, I know you asked me to follow you, but let me get my family situated a little bit. But can I tell you, Jesus is omniscient and he saw through it. Ultimately, he knew that this wasn't a desire to go bury his father. This was an excuse to not or delay his obedience to Jesus's words. So he challenged them. I know you're full of crap. So let the dead go bury their dead. Jesus doesn't play second fiddle, my friends. Jesus ain't the backup quarterback. Jesus isn't the third string. Jesus is the inventor of the game, commissioner of the game, owner of the of the team. He is the coach. He is on the field playing alongside of you. And he says, listen, I or nothing else. Should I smile? Is this a good time to smile? You guys 10 seconds of smile. okay? Take the picture. So at least y'all can get some pictures of me smiling. Jesus puts a priority in honoring him first. And if anything gets in the way, I need somebody to hear me right now. If anything gets in the way, if anything gets in the way, if anyone gets in the way, they come second to Jesus. Do y'all hear me in this room? I think we've preached this for king and country for way too damn long. It's king, period. Jesus ain't American, did y'all know that? Y'all know that if Jesus was here right now, he would not probably be allowed in this country because he would be thought of as a terrorist. Ooh. Jesus from the Middle East. Matthew 10:37. I need you to hear this. Write it down if you need to and go back and read this. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Those are red letter words. In fact, I wanna invite you to insert whatever other person that you place. Boyfriend, Girlfriend, sister, brother, you're not worthy of being mine. We're not aligned. We're not on the same team. Now, here's the thing. He says, "Let the death." <laughs> I want y'all to catch this. Catch this. Catch this. Catch this. Catch this. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. What is Jesus saying here? Remember, Jesus is omniscient. So he already knows the situation. He said, let your unsaved family bury your unsaved daddy. Jesus knew that their family was spiritually dead and also physically dead. Jesus knew everything, so he probably already knew that their family was reprobate and unwilling to change. Y'all know people in your life who just are unwilling to change. I won't change. I am who I am. This is what I want. You can take your Christianity. You can take your change. You can take your Jesus and go shove it. Jesus is like, yeah, he's one of those. Let him go. Let him go. Why focus on people choosing to remain in a state of unbelief? Did you know you can't save anybody? You know what I love about this? The freedom that I received in 2018. I am not responsible for your salvation, I have one responsibility preach the gospel. Jesus convicts, Holy Spirit convicts, Jesus saves, God restores. I have nothing to do with that continuum, because if I choose not to preach the gospel, somebody else will. I had people, people, somebody to leave the church, you didn't chase after me. For what? <laughs> the hell, I'm not your savior. We're supposed to leave the 99, go after one. Jesus says, not me. I'm the servant. I just run after who Jesus runs after. So if Jesus says run after them, I'm going to run after them too. And if Jesus said, hey, let me handle that. I'm like, hey, that's on you God. Do I say I don't want to do missions? Do I say I don't want to see people saved? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm not putting any pressure on myself to change you. It's not my responsibility. Now, Jesus is not saying you can't care for your family obligation. Well, pastor, I feel like you're saying like we you know, we have responsibilities. I mean, this is humanity. Aren't we supposed to take care of our family? Yeah, we're called to serve our families out of obedience to Jesus, not instead of obedience to Jesus. And most of us choose the instead. Most of us choose instead. I'm going to hit somebody with something right now. Ooh, and listen, I'm going to speak to the women in this room right now. Quit telling your husband your family's your first ministry. That is not in the Bible. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Do you know why? Because what if your family comes against the ministry of the Lord? Now you're telling me I have to choose you over the Lord? You are not my ministry. Jesus is who I stand and minister for. And if you can't get behind that, tough. Oh, I know Oh, we <laughs> We can't go to this church anymore. That's fine. I told you, this wasn't going to be a message that was going to be. Our first ministry is obedience to Jesus. And anything that comes against that, even family, count it all loss. I count it all as rubbish. I'm not going to let you stand in the way of me being obedient to the Lord, serving the Lord. And yes, if that means spending time, a little time at the church, away from the house, hey. But on the flip side. Husbands. Don't use ministry as an excuse to ignore your family because you can't stand them. I'm just going to be at the church. I'm I'm serving the Lord. Baby, I'm just trying to serve the Lord. No, tell her the truth. I can't stand you, and we need to fix this. Get my nerves. You nag a lot. You're always on my case about something. Every time I come home, I feel like I'm being battered and bruised. I'm walking into a chaos situation. You control my, babe, you're controlling. I feel controlled by you. That's why I don't come home a lot. Control every movement I make, every schedule in my calendar. I'm, oh man, pissing y'all off today. Hey, we're going to do this thing, man. Can, can, can you, you know, we're, we're going to be gathering. We're going to be doing, serve the city. We're going to be having the guys come together. <sighs> Dude, let me, let me check with my wife. Let me tell you, it's not wrong to check with your wife. I check with my wife all the time. But what happens if you know that you're supposed to be at that thing and your wife tells you no? No, she's the boss. Happy wife, happy life. Live from the pit of hell. Happy spouse, happy house. Pastor Robert said it yesterday. If I ain't happy, then we ain't happy. How come you get to be happy and I don't get to be happy? I got a to everything you tell me to do. But when I got to do something, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're not protecting this household. I can't believe you're choosing everything else over us. I feel so unprotected and vulnerable by you. Listen, you better take it up with Jesus. Because I'm here. I love you. I serve you. I lead you. Yes, my friends, yes, Jesus declares kingdom over family. Yes, he does. And when you choose your spouse, your wife, your girlfriend over kingdom, it all goes to crap. Look at Adam and Eve, see how that turned out. Adam probably originated. Happy wife, happy life. No, you pretty much sent us all to hell. And Jesus had to come and redeem it all. I got two friends. I got two friends in ministry, two friends. My one friend, his wife, they were pastoring the church together his wife just says, I don't like ministry anymore. I don't want this anymore. I hate it. In fact, I just, I, I just, I want to go out with my friends a little more. I never got to do any of that. Ever since we got married, we've just been in ministry, involved been serving. I just want to go do my thing. We tried to work on it, try to go to counseling. And she says, listen, it's not about counseling. I just don't want to be a pastor's wife anymore, I don't feel like. And if, if, if you want to stay being a pastor, then you can't be married to me. So they begin to wrestle back and forth and she eventually says, listen, I'm out. I'm out. My friend had planted this church 20 years ago, had built this incredible church, impacting thousands and thousands of people. And he was like, man, you know what? If my wife wants to leave ministry, then I need to just go and see if I can fix my marriage. He resigned from his church and his wife still left him. He lost everything and his wife still left him. If you want to choose, if you want me to choose kingdom against you, I'm sorry, I'm choosing kingdom. I'm not talking about an abusive relationship where you just drag your wife. No, 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 no. I'm talking about leading. I'm talking about serving. Listen, uh, are you sitting down having devotions and Bible studies with your family? Are you reminding them that we are all called to mission? That we're all called to be uh, uh, in the Lord's army? Are you are you called? Are you telling them that we're called to proclaim the kingdom? Are you putting that in front of your family? Are you going back uh, when they're not around and going to your knees? Are you praying for them? Lord, give my kids a heart for the gospel. Give my wife a heart for the gospel. Give my husband a heart for the gospel. God, I pray that you may keep us on mission. Keep us aligned with you. God, keep us uh, connected to your heart. Let what breaks your heart break our heart. I got a second friend. Ministry pastoring again, fairly large church, couple thousand people. His wife is like, I don't want to do ministry anymore. I don't want to be with you if you're going to be staying ministry. You know, honestly, this is just, it's just, I'm ready to let go. But babe, you know, this is what we've been called to do. You know that God has called us to ministry. He doesn't just call one person. He calls both of us collectively. We're we're in this thing together. We're going to be on mission. If I leave this church, I'm probably going to end up being in another church. I'm going to be in ministry in some way, shape, or form. That's who we are. That's what I know that God has designed me to do in my life. And she says, I don't want it. I want a divorce. He said, fine. You want it. If you want a divorce, you Give me a certificate of divorce, like the Bible says. They got a divorce. He is still in ministry and still impacting thousands of people. She's now reprobate and doing her own thing. But he says, I'm going to choose kingdom over anything that comes against her. Yeah, see, that one doesn't get a huge clap. Because some of y'all are too scared to clap because your wife is sitting next to you and if she sees you clapping. He says the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God is? He says, I want you to proclaim the kingdom of God. This is the mission that you and I are supposed to be on, that God has overcome evil, that there's hope greater than political leaders, that forgiveness and reconciliation is available. We are called to bring sight to the blind, bring good news to the poor, set the captives free. You know why miracle signs and wonders are not taking place in churches all over America? You know why people aren't being saved and or, or, or are being st- safely saved why people aren't being redeemed totally why they're not being delivered because we've chosen comfort over commitment that's why that's what we're supposed to be doing notice it's not pastors who are supposed to be bringing deliverance it's supposed to be you God calls apostles pastors evangelists preachers teachers To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Y'all supposed to be bringing deliverance to people. Y'all supposed to be casting out demons. Y'all supposed to be bringing sight to the blind. Y'all supposed to be preaching the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of comfort. It ain't on me. I'm just here to equip you to unleash you. Sunday is just a rally for what we get to do all week people have you brought deliverance to this week i'm not trying to say that to throw something in your face what i'm saying is your mind even attuned to god show me who the kingdom message is the priority for every believer oh we're coming to the end verse 61 verse 61 Yet another said, I will follow you. Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But, 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 but my kid has a game. But work said, I have to work Sundays but I already planned my vacation. But my wife really is not about me being there. But, 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 I will follow you, but, I remember I was a youth pastor almost 10 years ago and we were getting ready to go to winter retreat and one of my students, man, she wanted to go. She was one of my favorite students, wanted to go to winter retreat so bad, so bad. I can't remember whether it was a volleyball tournament or a basketball tournament that she was supposed to go to. And I remember walking up to her family and didn't know this at the time and I was just like, hey! You come to Winter Retreat, and her mother answered for her. You know, I would really like her to come to Winter Retreat, but, but, but she's got a tournament to go to that she's already committed to. And I remember the student beginning to well with tears in her eyes. It's like Pastor Muta, help me. What's going on? I don't want to go to no stupid volleyball game. I want to go and learn about Jesus with my friends. I remember about a year later, her mom came to me and was like, man, she's like getting involved in this relationship that I'm not really excited about. Pastor Mouton can you talk to her? I said, I would, but You destroy everything I teach her anyway. You're not committed to her really following Jesus anyway. I would, but that's not my responsibility. You're her parent. You should have been guiding her. I know some of her friends who ended up being saved and who are still serving and who are still plugged in. I'll follow you, but what's your but? We all got a butt. I got a butt. You got a butt. All God's children got butts. I need to rephrase that. All of God's would be children got butts. Because he said, listen, if you choose anything else over me, I got nothing for you. But is the escape hatch of the uncommitted. Remember last week, excuses are the linguistic track of the uncommitted? Well, but is the escape hatch of the uncommitted. That's my get out of jail free card. You know, I really want to go, but. Hey, man, I would be really committed, but. It's our quick escape hatch, but I've got priorities, but I've got other things, but cancels out everything you said before. You should have just said, no, I'm not committed. You know, sometimes don't even say I'm not committed. Just I don't want to. Just, just be truthful. I don't want to. Hey, 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 uh, could you be at this event? You know, it's going to be really great. Honestly, I just don't want to. Word, I respect that. I can move on now. Oh, I would, but you know, I've got this thing. Yeah. If you would, you would, but just let me know that you really won't. but has become the polite way to say, I'm not committed because in a world (laughs) that says we need to be real. Yeah. We're real polite. We're not real. Authenticity is not what we walk in, but Hey, you know what? Um, but has a first cousin. Y'all know? Y'all know their first cousin? You know Butt's first cousin? Let me pray about it. That's, that's the Christian Butt. See, the first Butt is the would-be Christian Butt. But the let me pray about it, that's a Christianese Butt. What's got a second cousin? You don't want to know what the second cousin is? I'm just waiting to hear from the Lord. I remember somebody called me. Pastor. God has just been working on my heart. He's let me know that I've been Ignoring the mission that he's called me to. Pastor, he's told me I've been sitting way too long and I need to get up and I need to do something. I need to serve. And I told God, I made a declaration, God, that I'll do whatever he wants me to do. So I want to serve the Lord. Is there any place in the church that I can serve? I said, man, this is powerful. This is Absolutely. What serving areas do you have? Well, I've got two serving areas. You can choose this one or you can choose that one. Okay, thank you. I'll pray about it. Pray about what? Which serving area? I thought God called you to serve. I thought you said you wanted to be obedient to what the Lord had called you to do, I do. So pick one and allow him to move you. Well, pastor, I just wanna hear from the Lord. You called me, I'm not the Lord, but you called me after hearing from the Lord. And obviously if I've got a place for you to serve, meaning God is trying to communicate something to you. Well, pastor, let me just pray about it. I said, you know what? Don't bother. I said that. I said that. Don't bother. Well, how could you say that? Because you're not committed. I remember this person was, it was a 16 year old. Yeah, that's how we talk to our team. Yeah, you. That's why the youth that are here are here. They're committed because we don't pull punches. Because y'all can raise them as Christian pacified babies all you want, but if they're going to walk into this house, we're going to preach the gospel and call them to a big God who's willing to use a little of them to accomplish big things for his glory. This person's mother called me. Why are you so harsh? I'm not harsh. I'm real. I never saw this kid again. So much for being committed to serving here in the Lord's voice. I wonder what would happen if the mother would have gone to this kid and said, you know what? He's right. Pick one. God is big enough to move you. He's sovereign. If you pick one and you don't like it, that might be a sign that God is saying, don't do that one. And then go try the other one. If that one doesn't work out, keep trying till you find a fit. But the problem is we're raising kids with this optional Christianity that comes with comfort and whatever feels good to you. And if it just doesn't feel right and it just feel, you feel and just feel. Babes, might be me and you next week. That's all right. He had a valid reason, guys. (sighs) Danae, you can come up or whoever's on the keys, I'll be forgetting. (sighs) Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He had a good reason. Let me say goodbye to my family. No, Jesus said, follow me. Jesus didn't come to him and say, hey, can you pray about this situation real quick? You know, pastors, we we come because we have to say, can you pray about this situation? Because we know that otherwise you guys are going to say that we're controlling and we're manipulative and I'm part of a cult. Half the time, we've already heard from the Lord that this is what you're supposed to do. But we tell you, hey, could you pray about this real quick? Because honestly, we're too scared. I'm too scared. I'm honest. I'm too scared that you're going to call me manipulative, controlling. Oh my gosh, it just feels so culty. Jesus didn't say, can you pray about it? He said, follow me. It was an emphatic statement. It said, made it, make a decision. Make a decision. He said, that's one of the cubs of Judah right there. He's like, I'm on Jesus' team. He like, I can't roar yet, but I'll get my voice soon. Preach, preacher, I'm with you. Yet another said, I will follow you, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Most of our excuses are couched in false humility. Most of our excuses are couched in shallow nobility. Well, you know, I, I've got to do this. I've got, I've got to take care of this. You understand, right? Right. You get this, right? Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, puts a hand to the plow. Can I tell you guys, can I make it very clear to everybody in this room? Putting your hand to the plow means committing to be a disciple of Jesus. No one who says I will follow you and looks back. No one who says Jesus, I'm with you, but looks back. He's saying anyone who says I will be your disciple must come after me. And another text says must deny themselves. Anyone who decides to join mission with Jesus, listen, you can't move forward and look back. You'll crash. And that's why some of our relationship with the Lord is so dormant and so boring and so lackluster and there's no life and there's no passion because we've made a shipwreck of our souls by looking back and looking at the world and looking at everything else. All these other priorities. Jesus says, no, look to me, the author, the finisher of your faith. you keep looking back, you eventually drift. I know, i preached about this before. When I'm driving, I get distracted a lot. I always hear my wife when I'm driving, I'll look down at my phone, I'll look outside, and eventually I'll start going, I just hear my wife, she's just so calmly, you're drifting. You're drifting. And can I tell somebody in this room, you're drifting. You're drifting. Some of you guys have really drifted off track, but you show up like the Israelites, not knowing that the glory of the Lord has descended. And you're just going through the rote emotions of vain declarations of a weak and neutered Christianity, a weak and neutered faith, This is anybody who looks back. Someone whose priorities are greater than the kingdom priority. Anyone who puts something over the mission of God, the missio day. Anyone who still wants to gain the whole world. When you become a Christian, you lose the world. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. That is true Christianity. That is true faith. That is true obedience and allegiance. He says it's not fit for the kingdom. What he's saying is you're not useful to me. Lest you think we impress Jesus with our religiosity, like we add something to him. Remember, God existed before the earth was created for ceaseless ages. Let me tell you, if you cease to exist, he ain't worried. He's okay. We've created Christianity that is centered around me and me and God so loved me and God gave it all up for me. Yes, he did, but he gave it up for you. It's for you, but it ain't about you. There's a mission. He called you back to himself so that he can send you out to someone else. Not fit for the kingdom, you're not useful. You can't be well-placed. For those athletes, you can't, you're can't. you not making weight. You can't play in a game. Sorry. You're out. There's no place for you here. I want y'all to get that right now. I want y'all to get that into your system. Jesus is saying, if you say you follow me, but yet still choose everything else, you are not with me many will come to him in the last day I want y'all to get that I, just, I want you to get the tragedy in this many will come to me and say Lord, Lord we prophesied in your name we healed in your name and he'll say away from me I never knew you when are we gonna start realizing that this Christian faith that this Christian walk is not some club to be a part of it is a mission it is a heartbeat it is a commitment it is life I'm sorry. I know this gonna hurt your feelings. I know y'all gonna be like, he yells a lot at you. Yeah, I yell because there's a holy indignation because I see people who willingly throw themselves off of the boat of life. This ain't a game. It's not a game. People have died for this thing. People gave up their lives for this thing so that you can sit in the church and be like, hurry up and preach because I've got some. Well, I got a place to be. You preach long, Being in church for two and a half hours, I didn't go find me a church that's done in an hour. Go! I'm not here to pacify you. I'm here to save you and make, not me saving you. I'm here to preach salvation to you so you can receive it and then you can go do the same for somebody else. People are dying in these streets. We sit here and we want to talk about what's happening in culture. I said this, I said this, I said this, I said this yesterday. Liberals, for us conservatives in this room, liberals didn't ruin America. Passive weak Christians did. Because we stand for nothing. The only thing we think about is ourselves, our comfort, our ease. I just feel like I'm not growing in the Lord. Well, you should have showed up to 414 because there's a bunch of guys in here who sat under the teaching of the Lord who were washed with the water of the word and took it into their heart and said, I've got to go. I got to fight for my family. I got to fight for my daughter. I got to fight for her. Oh, I'm mad. I'm mad because this is not a game. And I've given my entire life up for this. If you're not willing to give your life up for this too, I've given you chalk. Draw the line. Make your decision. Because I'm not going to sit around and preach to a bunch of people who just want me to give them a good word. I had somebody tell me. I had somebody tell me. I just want. I just want the pastor to give me a good message. No, he said. He said. I just want the pastor to go study the Word of God. Come back give me a good word, give me two or three points that I can take away and I can go make a decision whether I wanna uh, adhere to it or listen to it or if it's effective for my life or not. I'm not a motivational speaker. If you want that, go to Tony Robbins. There's a lot of motivational speakers out there. I'm not here to motivate you, I'm here to light a fire under you so that we can burn and let the whole world come and watch. And see, these people are standing in the fire, yet there's one like the Son of Man standing right next to them, and they are not burned. Jesus is not looking for part-time disciples, my friends. Jesus is not looking for part-time disciples, my friends. Jesus expects all or nothing. All or nothing. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is a follower, not a negotiator. Most of us are busy negotiating our faith. Okay, Jesus, I'll go to church on Sunday. That means Monday through Friday, you're going to cover me. Saturday, I might do my own little thing, but Saturday night, I'll repent. And Sunday morning, it's all good, right, Jesus? You have to be willing to give up everything. So choose now, now, choose now. Oh, y'all think I'm playing? No, I'm telling you to choose now. I know some of y'all ain't gonna come back after for this, I don't care, choose now. You've made your decision, I'll be fine, we'll move on. Listen, if we can't pay for this little building, I go preach in the park. You think the building is a church, I tell people all the time, I never call this building the church. People are like, oh, are you going to be at the church? What do I respond? Yeah, I'm at the building. This ain't the church. You and I in the church. The only thing that makes us church is when me and you are here. I would love to keep and stay on mission in this building, but I could care less for this building because guess what? Whether this building exists or not, I'm still a missionary to the kingdom. I don't have to be limited to the four walls. I can minister at Starbucks. I can minister at the park. I can minister at the mall. I can minister in my house. I can minister on the side of the street. I am for the kingdom. Choose now. Choose now choose now if you ain't heard me yet choose now are you in or are you out not tomorrow not after you've prayed about it not after you talk hey baby no this was a really challenging message you know are we in are we out like what do we really think no now stop playing with this thing i would but I think, I think I'm joking. Me and my wife gave everything up. Everything. We've given up everything for this church. My sons, they've given up everything for this church. Pastor Lewis has given up everything for the church. Pastor Taylor gave up everything for the church. Danae gave up everything for this church. I know people who've given up everything for this church. I know them by name. Because they had options, they could have gone, they could have done a lot of other things, but they said, take the world, but just give me Jesus. Choose now. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And discipleship is not negotiable, it requires full commitment. My friends, there is no inheritance for the uncommitted. There is no inheritance for the uncommitted. Jesus said it. Those are not Pastor Muta's words. These are Jesus's words. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow, anyone who says I'm in, but yet is so tied to everything else, there is no space for you. Choose now. If if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the person watching right now online, choose now right there in your living room, right there on your job, right there, wherever you're working out. If you're listening to this right now, choose now. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have to choose against something. You will have to choose against something. Am I fighting for mission or am I fighting for me? have to choose now brothers and sisters if I can call you that is it mission or me is it the kingdom of God or the country of my origin is it sex or is it salvation is it sports or is it sanctification is it convenience or is it obedience choose now. Choose now. If you know you're in an inappropriate relationship today, you have to make a decision. Choose now. Jesus, listen, y'all keep playing if you want to. Let me tell you, I remember John Piper preached a message where he talked about this woman came into his um his office and her husband was with him and she was like cheating on him and he was like, Pastor, I can't get this woman to stop cheating on me. But she keeps saying she's got eternal security because there's a perseverance of the saints and and God doesn't let go of anybody who's really truly saved. And the woman says, see, Pastor, you preach that all the time. Once I give my heart to Jesus, once I'm sealed by the blood of the lamb, I'll I'll never be lost, right? So I, I can get it right later. I can stay right now. Jesus gets me and he says, listen, I'm sorry, baby girl. He didn't say baby girl, that was mine. I know, Janiah was like, what the heck, he said that? No. He said, look, lady. Scripture says by their fruits, you shall know them. If you are out of line and you choose to stay out of line, even after you've been preached to, after you've prayed about it, after you've read the word of God and know you're still out of line, then you are not saved. You're not. You got to make a decision. You got to draw the line. It's Jesus or what I want. Let me tell you, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all going to have to pull your kids out of sports for a semester. On the days it should be a practice, I want y'all to have Bible study in the house. Start teaching them the word of God. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Why am I still sinning? Because you ain't hit the word of heart, the word of the Lord in your heart. Some of y'all gonna need to start teaching your children, you gotta choose God first. Some of y'all guys have job offers right now, and they're saying you're gonna have to work on Sunday. You need to walk into that place with boldness and say, listen, I am a believer. My faith, you know, kind of just comes against my my willingness to be able to to come to work on Sunday. Listen, this is what I'm going to do. I can come after church. I can start at 12. I can start at 1. I can start at 2. Uh, Can we negotiate that? And if it's too hard for you, find another church. GCC has a Saturday night service. Go. Because I want you to be in church more than I do want you to be in these seats. I want you to be in obedience to the Lord more than I want you to be here at Relevant Church. As long as you are following Jesus, you're all right with me. Some of y'all are going to have to make a decision there. Yeah, 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 yeah. All these four weeks, damn, when he came back to preach, service used to be a lot shorter. But when he came back, man, it just get longer and longer. I don't care. They like say Paul preached so long, there was somebody sitting on the wall. They fell asleep. Poof, died. And you know what Paul said? I'm gonna keep preaching. When I'm done, I'm gonna go resurrect him because I got the power of God walking in and through me. Jesus preached so long. People, it got dust, everybody got hungry. People like, man, people are tired. The disciples are people are tired. People need to go home. This has been so long. Jesus, come on. Here we go. Jesus said, you feed him. I ain't done yet. Feed him. But Jesus, what do you expect us to do? What you got? You know why miracles don't take place? Because we're uncommitted. Some of y'all need to choose. Some of y'all need to choose. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.